1,000 miles by foot, 600 miles by truck, 1,600 miles by sea, and at the end of it all, the promised land. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is the Red Sea Diving Resort. All right, so we are back. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. Welcome back. With the Red Sea Diving Resort, starring Chris Evans, Michael K. Williams, and uh, Haley Bennett, Bennett among amongst, amongst others. Yeah. Uh, yeah, directed by Gideon Rath. So this is a Netflix original movie. So I don't want to hear any excuses for why you're not able to watch it along with us. This one is easy <laughs> to find. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to be taken off Netflix. It is a little long. It's two hours and 10 minutes. We can get to that at the reviews. So ready to just jump right in. As usual, we're going to do our plot summary, do our spy fact versus spy fiction, and at the end, we'll do a rating. So you ready to get started? All right. So here's our synopsis from IMDb. It says, mm -hmm. Israel's Mossad age attempts to rescue Ethiopian Jewish refugees in Sudan in 1979, which is you know, a really short summary for sizable movie that i'm sure uh, we both have a lot of notes yeah on. there's a lot going on in this movie and they could have had a little more detail on that in the imdb entry but eh, what are you gonna do but so, not uh, but not to worry we will go in plenty of detail that's right just in case for whatever reason you're not inclined to watch it yourself so the opening we get michael k williams doing a voiceover your classic sort of African Civil War beating that we've seen in movies like Blood mm. Diamond and other <laughs> ones that I can't think of right now, which is, you know, we, we get people in a village and there's violence. Mm -hmm. and, and he does a brief recap about how it's the government versus the rebels, the usual story, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. And we also open with that, uh, what is it, that text on the screen that says, for thousands of years, Ethiopian Jews learned for, yearned for Jerusalem. As civil war rages, they begin to fulfill their dream. So nice. this is set in what 1979, apparently. At least it started. Yeah, and then yeah. it moves for a few years. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. And I'm glad that you brought up that opening. I liked the opening text; mm -hmm. it set the stage very well. But then there's another opening text that I hated. Oh, I hated it. Four words that I despise in movies. Inspired oh, by right. true events. Yeah, no. So that's I. I mm, like at least based on true events is at least better. But inspired by that means it could be completely fictional, or mm -hmm. it could be kind of true, but not just like a few. So we would never really know with those words. And I, yeah, you're. I'm. I'm with you on that. Bill Burr has a bit about the phrase inspired by true events. He's like, I'm a director who read a story about a cancer patient, so I made a movie about a dog. <laughs> and what's crazy is that this movie obviously is based on a true story. Mm -hmm. So why not just say that? I don't know. I mean, the, the phrase based on a true story is already kind of a laughing stock. When we see it in a trailer, everyone laughs because we know it's going to be completely fictionized. But this one actually did a decent job of sticking more or less oh, all to right. the general well, idea of what happened, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So we start off, well, yeah, like you said, we've got, you know, families fleeing the villages. And then you've got uh, Captain America, I mean, Ari. I mean, mm -hmm. he's very Captain America in this, which as a Captain America fan, I appreciated. But so in my notes, half the time I say Cap, half the time I say Ari. I just say Chris. Yeah. Well, he's got his Captain America muscles and his Captain America beard. 
Mm-hmm. It's a lady's love. Yep. So we f- and of course and like just to drive that home. When we first see him, he's like doing push push-ups on the bed of a truck. Well, yeah. How do you think he got those muscles? <laughs> Super soldier serum. Mm, they developed their own. So yeah. yeah, we meet him, and he meets Michael Kenneth Williams, aka Omar from The Wire, mm-hmm. and he goes back to save a kid in a completely ridiculous but very welcome action scene to start us off again. Very Captain America, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'll and and that's the last that I'll probably mention that and not and just not make it to a bit. I mean, it's okay. I mean, that's probably the reason why most people who watch this movie watched it is because Chris mm-hmm. Evans is in it, and we like Chris Evans because he's Cap. So yeah, there you go. He even says we leave no one behind. Right, a very okay, so, yeah. very Captain America <laughs> line after doing the old brick on the pedal trick. I was gonna say that. Speaking of World War II heroes, that reminded me reminded me of like that bit in uh, what is uh, Last Crusade where Indiana Jones, you know, and he gets into the boats and you know turns on the boats and the Nazis are chasing the boats while he escapes in the motorcycle. Nice. So it's a it's a like I've called it the Indiana Jones misdirect. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something that we're going to get to is there are a lot of cliches in this movie. And mm. like we talked about last week at The Hunt for Red October, cliches aren't always bad. True. I actually watched this movie twice. The first time was a long time ago. And then the mm-hmm. second was last night after having done the research. And I liked it more the second time around. But again, hmm. we'll All get right. to that. Uh, the cliches bothered me less. Uh. <laughs> so they escape. And Omar, I'll call him Omar because his name <laughs> is very long. We'll it's call him Omar. Kabede? I yes. think. Yeah. Uh, he talks about the prophecy about returning the tribes to Jerusalem. Right. I thought that was funny because, you know, in fiction, whenever there's a prophecy, the prophecy always is going to happen by the time the end credits roll. Mm-hmm. And I guess it sort of happened here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they, they make it all the way into Sudan and then they get arrested. Yep. And then again, we see Ari doing push ups in the cell. Oh, no, pull ups in the cell. Right. So, like, I guess that's just his thing. He just is exercising constantly. Sure. Walter Bowen, he, the U.S. cultural attache uh, from Khartoum, the Khartoum embassy, gets him released. And, I mean, anytime you hear of a cultural attache, we all know what that's code for. That's CIA. Really? I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. No, that's like <laughs> a co- it's commonly known. Like, if you're like the attache, f- you know, for agriculture or the cultural ambassador or something like that, you're probably CIA. Well, Chris Evans even has a line where he's like, oh, yeah, are you here to work on Sudan's brimming cultural heritage? Mm-hmm. I thought ju- I thought he was just trying to be like mildly xenophobic. Oh, no, no. That was just that was no, you're definitely not an attache you're cia and i know you're cia that was what that line was by the way nice job keeping track of all these characters names i just Um, wrote greg kinnear (laughs) i didn't recognize that as greg kinnear actually i I feel like i usually see greg kinnear with a mustache so that threw me off when i didn't see that well the only other movie i've seen him in that i can remember right now the one i bring up on my other podcast tuesday night gaming shameless plug is (laughs) mystery man he doesn't, have, uh, he doesn't have a mustache in that. Okay. Um, anyway. So anyway, so Greg Kinnear gets them out. They, they It's revealed that they're pretending to be anthropology students. Yeah, and they get sent back home. So they go to, they're called back to Israel. And mm-hmm. the other guy who was with, the, with Ari, Sammy, who's like a doctor of some sort, says, you know, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. And yeah. can't take the pressure. 
which is like it's sort of like is it supposed to be an emotional moment like we don't even know who this guy is I'm i don't not... think we even know what his name is until chris evans goes sammy as he drives away yeah no that's what that's not until, yeah that, i didn't know his name until that point either <laughs> so yeah i don't know what they were trying to play out there i think they were trying to go for a trope that just didn't work there but so we see you know rather than trying to go home Ari goes to Mossad HQ, and there's Ben Kingsley as his boss. Right. Uh, Ethan. Yes. And another extremely cliche scene where he, <laughs> where he does the thing where he's like, you're a loose cannon. You're going to get somebody killed. You're off the force. Hand in your badge and gun. That's effectively what happens in this scene. Yeah. Except he doesn't get fired. Well, he does well, get fired. He just refuses yeah. to accept that he was yeah. fired. Right, right. And we find out that... Um, his wife Sarah left him, and his daughter, you know, took his daughter, took their daughter to her parents. Right, and I think I may have picked up a a mistake here. By the way, oh, so Ben Kingsley <laughs> mm-hmm. says, "How is Sarah?" Chris says, "She left me." Then right. he gets home, plays the answering machine with her leaving him. Mm, well, how did so he, I, how did he know? Maybe he just successfully and correctly guessed that she was about to leave him. I think that she left him and then, but you know, when he got the, or like, you know, said that they were leaving you breaking up, but that he didn't know if he'd actually find her at home when she was there. But mm-hmm. who knows? Eh, I, I'm, I'll, I'll let it slide. This isn't the tightest script in the world. One last thing about this scene with Ben Kingsley is he says that the prime minister is driving the operation to extract hmm. Ethiopian Jews. So we get a brief montage and then Chris comes up with this brilliant idea. Yes, while he's using some ancient technology, a, a microfiche reader. Have you ever used one of these things? Yeah, I have. It was a long uh, time I mean, ago, but I, I, I did, did use it at yeah. a library once. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's where I use one as well. So, you know, when I had to do research projects back in like middle school, I had to get the microfilm and or microfiche. Yeah, I like yeah. it. It feels like you're really going into the past. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to just looking something up on a computer. Right. Oh, back in my day, really <laughs> like it work or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so he comes up with this idea. He does another cliche thing where he goes up to Ben Kingsley's house in the middle of the night. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, but there's a funny line when he gets to Masada HQ the next day, where a guy says, "Didn't we fire him?" And Ben Kingsley says, "Twice." Twice. Yep. Yep. I like that. And so the plan. Well. For- we, don't, we hear the plan in bits. So we first hear that, you know, the only subs- way to get substantial numbers out is, you know, by the sea. And he brings mm-hmm. up that there's this red, this abandoned hotel called the Red Sea Diving Resort. It was built by an Italian company in the early 70s, but it was abandoned five years ago. And now the Sudanese government is looking to lease it. And so right. Ben Kingsley's boss, whose name I did not catch, has Me a neither. great line. <laughs> Has a lot of great lines. So he says, you, mm-hmm. you want Mossad to purchase an abandoned hotel from the Sudanese government. And then you want to send a group of Jews to a Muslim country, to a place where they might get eaten by Bedouins, to run a fake hotel in order to run, rescue a group of black Jews who might or might not survive a hundred kilometer walk across the desert to be smuggled out to sea by Israeli Navy SEALs to an Israeli ship. And it's and not even the craziest thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even the craziest thing the Mossad's ever done. No. Um, I also so remember that thing about the uh, the Bedouin tribes because yeah. the way they explain why it was shut down was because the area is lawless and there's mm. these these like bandits who will kill people who come by and potentially eat them. Yes. So just just remember that. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to it. 
Um, so yeah, that scene where, well, so he says all that and then he's like, where do we still have Natcore running? It's like, yeah, he's going for it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> awesome. I, I'm again, it's a cliche, but I like that too. Yeah. Oh, no, that like, was, that, that was like, you, you know, it, it was, yeah, it's a cliche of, you know, explain on this ridiculous play. Like, well, he explains the plan and he's like, so let me get this straight. You want to do all of this. Mm-hmm. All right. We're in. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, let's make it happen. So I like that. Then we get the scene, a scene with Ari and his daughter, which he's sort of explaining how there are Ethiopian Jews, which is uh, with what all the way back to the Queen of Sheba, which mm-hmm. I didn't, I like, I when I heard about, I, I didn't really know anything about Ethiopian Jews, but when I heard about it, and then I heard that, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's a prominent theory. Yeah. Hmm. Is that they are descended from the uh, the son yeah. of the Queen of Sheba, Sheba who and... smuggled the Ark of the Covenant back with him. Right. And his right. father is King Solomon. Other other people have suggested they ended up fleeing there after fleeing a civil war in ancient Israel hmm. or fled into destruction, fled into exile after the destruction of the temple in 586 BC. Oh, wow. Wherever they got there, they've been there. They're there. Hmm. Yeah, for, for a while. All right. So next we have another, again, kind of a uh, trope, but it's the I'm gathering a team together scene. So we start off and he gathers Rachel, who is working. So I'm not sure if, if she's just undercover as a Pan Am stewardess or if she's actually mm-hmm. a Pan Am stewardess at this point. Well, so she first of all beats up a pilot. Right. Yeah. Who's trying to assault her. Right. And then says something about a PLO accountant. Ah, So sounds like she's undercover then. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I really like this montage. It's like the seven samurai. It's also like the blues <laughs> brothers getting the band back together. Or even like, you know, when they started gathering all the event, Nick Fury starts gathering all the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he'd been doing that for a few movies before. That's true. But you know, that whole getting them all together onto the helicarrier. But yeah. But anyways, let's see. So the, the only other character that I have like a note on for yeah. getting the band together, because quite frankly, these characters aren't really that memorable, especially <laughs> all the men. But one of them was the guy was the doctor who yeah. he calls Stumpy because he's <laughs> he's lost two fingers. OK, so that I never noticed that he lost those two fingers until that scene of later in the movie like i just didn't pick up on it for some reason i didn't notice it at all until i watched it for a second time Uh, and then he calls him stumpy and then you see a shot of the hand (laughs) wow i know it's a little cold-blooded it's quite so yeah so well let's just run through the other people who he gathers together so the doc he gets sammy Mm-hmm. He also goes to get Jake, who's an expert diver, and you've got a Max, who's an assassin. Right. And so they all get recruited, and there's a scene, uh, another trope scene, where they're you know practicing their uh, cover identities and talking. You know, all right, what's your, you know, what's your name? Where are you born? Mm-hmm. What's your parents' names? Where do you go to high school? All that sort of stuff. Yep. And, which uh, reminded me of a scene in Argo, which actually this movie kind of reminds me a lot of Argo in a, in a few ways. I could see that. But there's a scene, you know, where where Ben Affleck's doing the exact same thing with the uh, with the uh, guest Canadian guest house uh, residents in Argo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Chris Evans pushes them. He's like, you hesitate, you're dead. It's like, I'm sorry. We've all been <laughs> through security. Everyone hesitates when they get asked their address. Chill out. <laughs> I also liked in that part the part where one of them 
Cause he doesn't speak a second language, so he's mm. from Malta. No one knows <laughs> right. Malta speak. And yeah. then, and then Ben, then Ben Kingsley goes back. He like repeats what he said before about the about a loose cannon. He says, "You're all mm. too reckless." Right. And he says, "You know, th- this could be like this could be the tagline: is that you guys will have no backup, no exfil, no guns." Mm-hmm. So they've got to do all this all without any of those things. So they go, they fly over. They get to passport control in Sudan, and the first person to go through, Jake, gets stopped, and they take him to for additional screening. And but everyone else gets through, so they're just sort of like, "All right, what do we do? Or do we leave him? Yeah. Just keep moving." And finally, he gets out, and we find that uh, he just they just wanted a bribe from him, basically. I'm surprised he was the only one. Mm. I mean, being a you know, you saw the line of people. They were all very visibly white, and therefore not from Sudan. Most likely, feels like they would have been targeted for additional uh, ringing, ringing out. Yeah, and so as they're leaving the airport, they run again into uh, what was his name? Well, Ben King, or not Ben King? What's Greg Kinnear? Greg Kinnear's character, mm-hmm. uh, who, who apparently notes, just hangs around the airport. Yeah, I just call him U.S. Embassy official. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> And, you know, he strongly hints that he's sort of on to them and that, you know, trying to find out what they're doing in the country. Well, he seemed to already sort of figure that something was up with Chris Evans the first time he got him right. out of prison. And then seeing him again only, you know, probably a couple of months later. Yeah. Yeah. At least worn some sunglasses or something. <laughs> Cut his hair. So they go and they meet, I don't know his name, a higher up official in right. the government. And in order to negotiate the uh, the the um, the purchase or the the leasing rather of the Red Sea Diving Resort, Chris Evans shows that he knows how to speak the local language, mm-hmm. by, which by... is bribery. Mm-hmm. And the only the only other sort of note I have here is that this is another cliche, or maybe it's a trope. Okay. But there, there seems to be this thing where you meet a tough guy, mm-hmm. and the tough guy, st- you know, the hero meets a tough guy. The tough guy staring him down. And the hero like offers him something or like does something unexpected or like tries to please him. And then the guy like stares at him some more and then starts laughing. And then everyone relaxes. I think even Jabba the Hutt does it. Or oh, yeah. Jedi. Oh, uh, everyone's, oh, oh. Yeah. So everyone <laughs> yeah. starts laughing. And it's like, oh, oh, phew, everything's cool. This movie does it <laughs> twice. They, so everyone gets to the resort and they see that, you know, it's in kind of a state of disrepair. Mm-hmm. And as they're looking around, they find there's a freshly caught fish. There's a paper from, you know, this, that, that week. So someone's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently it looks like there's just people who've just been living in uh, the resort, the abandoned resort. And they, they take them on as their local staff. And I don't really see what's so surprising about it. I mean, it is yeah. a building. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect, you would have expected someone to move in. Maybe not that recently, but still. Yeah. So yeah, so they move in. I know they wear they got their 70s short shorts. <laughs> they meet up with Omar again. He's like, many people are dying along the way, so whatever you gotta do, do it fast. Yeah, and so they plan their first operation for basically two weeks after they get there. There's no dry runs. So mm-hmm. as they're all discussing this, a bus comes up the road and they're not expecting anyone, and it turns out to be a bunch of German tourists who are mm-hmm. visiting the resort. And the Sudanese government apparently sent them there as a test to see to make sure that they were actually running a resort and not, you know, doing anything else. 
I absolutely love this part. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, like, it doesn't really make sense that they would be sent because they were, like, there, like, what? Like a di- It's, like, literally their first it's day. It's that same day. Yeah, it's that first <laughs> Maybe the second day, but yeah. And I I have to wonder, who are these people going on vacation in Sudan? That's Into a, a very good question. <laughs> I, I like mean, nowadays, they're Germans. They're very adventurous folk. Apparently, they're not the only ones. I mean, especially because it was established earlier that this is a lawless area with cannibals right. in it. Mm-hmm. But then I guess they wouldn't be told that if, if Colonel Nadebo did, in fact, send True. them True. They have to figure out, all right, this our fake hotel just became a real one. Yeah, so it indicated that they never intended it for it to be a real hotel. Yeah, they were just using it as a cover. They weren't actually going to have any guests. Right. And so now, so because of the unexpected guests, they and having to deal with them, they became two hours late to their rendezvous. So they had to go to the refugee camp to bring the refugees back to the hotel for pickup. So just a brief explanation. So the Refugees walked from Ethiopia into Sudan, where they went to, they got put into a refugee camp in Sudan, and then now they're taking them out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, and so they go and they get them, put them on the buses that they have, mm-hmm. and run into a roadblock. Sammy's, you know, saying, you know, we got to turn back. We can't do this. And Ari's, no, we can't fail on our first operation. Mm-hmm. And so they, and so they're in radio con this whole time they're in radio contact not just with the uh navy seals who are off off the shore but also mm-hmm. with mossad hq and but when this happens or when they find out that there's a roadblock they cut radio communication they turn out the lights and they just ram right through the checkpoint why do you think they cut radio communications i think well first of all if they if they kept uh, demanding you know I think just in case they got stopped so that you know, they wouldn't hear, you know, Mossad asking, what's going on? Oh, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so, so they ram it and a guy shoots them, shoots, shoots mm-hmm. the heck out of one of the trucks, mm-hmm. but they manage to get away. Yep. And so they go and they bring the refugees to the shore where the Navy SEALs are waiting. And I forget who says it, but one of them you know, gives a quote of, who saves one life saves the inter- the world entire. We just yep. saved 174. Yeah, that was a good line. It's from the Torah, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so everything goes smooth on the Navy side. Somebody says, we're all just refugees, though I may have mm-hmm. missed. That may be later. And then there's a shot of the Ethiopians eating and the camera's like above them. Mm-hmm. That's based on a real life photograph that- Oh, wow, that's cool. The, during the end credits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so- after after their you know su- successful mission, Sammy and Ari are t- talking, and you know Ari is just like you know it's just a random a random checkpoint, and Sammy is like may have just been a random checkpoint this time. But thanks to you, next time it won't be. And then we sort of get this established thing that Chris Evans, like Ben Kingsley said, it mm-hmm. just sort of plays things by the seat of his pants, mm-hmm. and things tend to work out for him for now. Yeah. Uh, but then Colonel Medibo shows up at the resort mm-hmm. and he's like, let's take a look at your trucks. And what saves them is that they somehow must have swapped the end so that there weren't any bullet holes. Yeah. And made it match. So it didn't look like there was new wood, which was clever on there. No, actually it's not that. So what, what it was is apparently 
their soldier like missed entirely when he was shooting at them. Wait, really? Yeah, there's a line that's where it's where uh, Arya says, "We're lucky if you know if that soldier hadn't been so re- reluctant to to say that he missed our missed us entirely, we wouldn't have we wouldn't got away with it." Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I thought they were doing like the Ian, like the Ian Fleming thing with like the attention to detail. Ah. They figured out if their trucks were shot, they'd have to replace it or else <laughs> there would be evidence. But no, they still, weren't that smart. <laughs> well, or they didn't, or maybe they thought to check and they just oh, didn't. Or okay. that. Yeah. Also, I noticed that Colonel Medibo, when he, when he's leaving, mm-hmm. he like nods to one of the staff members. Did you, did you notice yeah, that? I did see that. So I wasn't sure what was going on with that. I mean, I was like, well, is the is the staff member a spy for him? Maybe. Spies Except spying he never on spies. comes back again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a deleted scene. Yeah, so we also see that there's, uh, we get a little bit of Arya's backstory. So do you know about this boat, The Exodus? Yep. I've uh, seen the movie. So, oh, oh okay. sorry, I don't want to cut no, you off. I can no, tell no, you about I, it. That was, I was... That was a legitimate question. <laughs> okay, so there's this yeah. very famous book that got turned into a movie starring Paul Newman oh. um, called Exodus. And it's not about the exodus from Egypt, as the title would imply. <laughs> it's about a boat called Exodus, which took Jewish refugees from, not from the Holocaust, though they were Holocaust survivors, mm-hmm. from British internment camps in Cyprus and like were blo- was a blockade runner into Israel oh. before the founding of oh. the country. Huh. So yeah, it was, it was um, and then the, the book is about people on the boat coming in, and then it's about like the the founding, and then the war getting started. Hmm. Um, there's actually an episode of Mad Men if you've ever watched really? that show, where yeah. they one of the characters is like reading it, and like because they also get hired to work for an Israeli tourism company. And, uh, so it's it's very famous. Um, okay, though, uh, you don't hear too much about it anymore. It's by Leon yeah. Uris. If you've ever okay. heard of him. Yeah. No. Okay. So that's what they're making a reference to. Gotcha. So Ari's backstory that uh, is that you know he his mother was on the Exodus with him, and mm-hmm. when they wouldn't let them off, the British official was it British or is it American? British. British. Yeah, the British official took pity on his mother and hid him mm-hmm. so that he could escape, and you know they moved to America later. And so that's why he has an American accent and sounds like Chris Evans. Yep. And it's, and it's also why he wants to save other refugees because he was a refugee once too. Yeah. So next we sort of have this montage of, you know, everyone sort of getting into their roles and running mm-hmm. the, running the uh, resort. You have Rachel, you know, learning to teach them uh, aerobics and mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, what's his name? Uh, Jake teaching, you know, doing dive classes and Chris Evans being the bus. And he's got his, uh, you know, satisfied customers um, mm. board, which, you know, he's updating with numbers. But of course, that's the numbers for how many refugees they rescued. So they also have a lot of successful missions going yep, on. Yeah, this is my uh, and favorite of, part. And, yeah. And during that montage, you get, you know, Chris Evans, of course, doing more. S- push-ups but then you also see him doing underwater pull-ups which <laughs> is not as impressive as it sounds because you know you weigh less underwater so it's not really going to be that much harder in any way 
Yeah, you probably want some other kind of workout if you're going to be <laughs> under one. I also like the part where it shows the Germans leaving and then a yeah. bunch of Japanese tourists come mm-hmm. come right in to replace them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that wasn't just a one-off thing. They're going to have tourists coming through. Mm-hmm. So the Susanese military is uh, starting to get suspicious about people disappearing. And so that one colonel gathers everyone in the refugee camp and, you know, asks, you know, what is, does anyone know about the refugees who've gone missing? So mm-hmm. no one talks. And so he starts shooting people. Yep. Like just having them shoot, you know, get shot in the head. And he keeps doing this until someone talks and says that, you know, it's Kabebe who's taking them out of there. Or um, Omar. Yeah. So that's like a pretty big tonal shift. Is that on the one yeah. hand, you have them like goofing around. And on the other hand, you have like... Yeah, you get a really montage. <laughs> yeah. And then... Yeah, you get some serious mood whiplash there. I, I I do like that they tried to establish how dire the situation is. I just True. wish they had had sort of that more sustained across the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, I do enjoy the montage, but yeah, the, with that next scene, it just seems out of, out of place, but yeah. So having established that, there sort of becomes pressure on these characters that they have to stop. The situation's getting too hot. And so they try to do one last mission. And on that mission, you know, well, they find out, first of all, that the Sudanese or Sudanese military knows it's Kabede and that is the inside man. And so Mm -hmm. on their mission, Ari tries to get Kabede to go, but he, you know, refuses saying, you know, there's still more people that we can save. Right. And as they're going, you know, they get assaulted by military, you know, military jeeps with the Sudanese troops on them and everyone's getting shot at. And, you know, Ari and Sammy helped this uh, Navy SEAL who got shot. Wait, okay, hang on. I'm sorry. Let's back up a little Let's... bit. They take some refugees out. They get yeah. them to the beach. But as they're loading them onto the boats, Sudanese military shows up and just starts shooting at them. Yeah. They get everyone off off the beach. But it's but then there's just, uh, you know, Sam, Ari, and then Kabebe left on the beach. So Sam and Ari go one way. Kabebe goes another. And to distract them, from you know tr- shooting up everything and and you know you you have navy seals at, you know asking for a clearance to you know open fire and they're and Mossad's like no we're not going to start a war <laughs> we cannot f- open fire well it might not it might not be so much starting a war as it is blowing the op that too yeah i got to say this was my second favorite part even though it was really disappointing i was like here we go epic gun battle navy mm-hmm. seals versus militia <laughs> this is going to be badass this is going to be awesome and then it just didn't happen yeah so but it makes sense it didn't bother me too much cuz it made yeah. sense they made yeah. the right call but then chris evans is like he comes out and he's like tries to explain what's going on which makes no sense right so he claims that they have a, what a night diving yeah with tourists and yet, but they don't check on that. They don't. Yeah, and if he, if they do, then they just left. He just left his you know tourists out there. Also, also, there's a dude next to him, literally covered in blood. Yeah. <laughs> so if they were like, "Oh, it's a night dive," so who got shot? Uh, nobody. I got shot on some <laughs> coral. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but fortunately, the Sudanese don't believe that because that would have been ridiculous. Yeah, and so they get arrested. Mm-hmm. And then there's this confrontation in the jail cell between Chris Evans and Stumpy. Sorry, Stumpy. So, you know, our, you know, Sammy is saying, you know, you can't just make shit up as you go along and hope for the best. And so apparently something happened in Tangiers to Sammy's hand. 
Yep. And so, yeah, like I said, well, like we mentioned earlier, I didn't, definitely didn't notice that he was missing some fingers until this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I got to say just for this and just in general, I didn't feel like the character stuff in this movie worked. I don't know about you. I, I, didn't... I mean, I think the only character who we know anything really about is Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, his stuff, I think, worked for me, but I may also just because i am got some carryover from Cap and, all those, and that sort of stuff in it. But everyone else, yeah, you like, for example, Rachel. We know nothing about Rachel, or we don't Jake. learn anything about her either. And we know even less about uh, the assassin guy. What's his name? Oh, I see. Uh, I don't Max. even remember. That's yeah, how not memorable he is. <laughs> oh, Max. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they keep saying that Chris Evans is this guy who has like all this ego, and he makes up his goal, and he gets people killed. But then it doesn't really pan out that way. Uh, I mean, I can see that. Like, he definitely does. He de- he's he. I think that's part of what that first scene with the kid, you know, where where he's going after the kid, saving the kid, is supposed to demonstrate, or being reckless other other times. I, I mean, I can see that. I mean, it's it's a trope, but see, it, it makes sense. I get it. I would have preferred if his attitude got someone we actually knew about killed. Fair. Instead, okay, instead of fair. just a red shirt. Yeah. Then I think it would have been worse. But I don't know. Our listeners' mileage may vary. You, this might work for you. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong if it does. Oh yeah. So Rachel goes to see the uh, official in the Sudanese government who sold them the resort, mm-hmm. and gets them both gets uh, Sammy and Ari released. Yep. And someone, someone points out though that they're like on the Sudanese radar. I think it was Ben Kingsley said. Yeah. That. So this is and this is the point now where. When mm-hmm. they get back to the resort, Ben Kingsley's there, and he says he's shutting the program down. And right. Ari's like, "My job isn't done here yet. <laughs> Finish the fight." <laughs> uh, yeah, and so so they don't like it, but he's like, you're, "You're the Sudanese are on to you. It's only a matter of time before they catch you, and then you're really going to be screwed." Yeah. And so, knowing that they're wrapping things up, they go to find Kabede to see, you know, make sure he got all right. And in the meantime, after he had, you know, escaped from the beach, the colonel had follow, had someone follow him back to his house. And so mm. now, and apparently he got stabbed. And yeah, so it's more drama. Mm-hmm. Scary. Yeah. And punctured a lung, but is still alive. Yeah. It's a movie injury, <laughs> movie wound. But it, it further establishes that, like, the ring is closing in. Yeah. And so they and, decide they're going to do one last mission. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, since they're not, since Ben Kingsley shut down the C option, they have to find a new method. Yep. But, uh, then, but actually, before we get to the new oh, method, yes. they come back to the resort and they find Colonel Medibo waiting for them, just eating dinner. Mm-hmm. putting out his cigar in the hummus what Oof. a jerk what a waste of hummus which i was like did the colonel really think they'd be dumb enough to drive the refugees right up to their own front door and maybe trucks? maybe so the colonel's kind of throwing his weight around he interrogates the staff he interrogates the waitress he has the his troops search the truck mm-hmm. but the trucks are empty and we find that apparently the tr- refugees were offloaded sometime before they got back and are and are being led, you know, in the dark around. Yep. Is that more luck or is it skill? 
You decide. A little bit of both. <laughs> uh, Rachel s- does a stealth kill. <laughs> yeah, so one of the troops actually does find where they're hiding them, and yeah, she uses her. Uh, this is the I guess the only time we uh, other time we see her use her like Krav Maga skills to take someone mm-hmm. out. Yep, and uh, it, and it works, and all the rest, all, everyone just kind of stands there and watches her do it, and then her buddies show up right after it's finished. Right. Gotta, gotta love that. But then they're like, "Okay, wait, this guy's. I don't know if he's dead. Presumably, he's dead." Uh, and then yeah, I wasn't matter, sure. And then it's only a matter of time before they're gonna find him, yeah. or they're gonna realize that someone's missing. Mm-hmm. So we so we go back to everyone eating dinner. Uh, Medibo is an ultra dick. Chris Ugh. Evans calls him out on it. Mm-hmm. You know, he grabs a knife. He does. He does the laugh again. <laughs> the laugh from before. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Evans gets hit by a rifle butt, and then they leave. And yeah. I, I noticed that when Medivo is leaving, you see like some tourists like hanging out, having dinner right. Right. Nearby. Yeah. So there's all these tourists, <laughs> like well, like a few tables of tourists just eating dinner as this whole thing's going on. So yeah, that must maybe have been pretty awkward. Or you know maybe they, don't, they didn't speak English and then understand what's going on and. Yeah, I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they have to figure out another way to get out. Yeah. So Ari goes to talk to uh, Greg Kinnear, who I guess at this point we've uh, are, have it confirmed and not just referenced that he's CIA. Mm-hmm. That's right. He's actually been investigating them this whole time. It's mm-hmm. just you know he he was on to them, but he was unfortunately on their side, so it, it all works out. But yeah, so Ari, you know, admits that he's from the Israeli government and that, you know, he's trying to theory, hypothetically get, move a bunch of refugees out of the country and asks him for his help. Rick is like, you know, I don't have that much. I don't have that much pull around here. So but the best thing I can do is ask my bosses. So he calls, you know, he calls them, waits, they call back and we never actually hear what they say. Well, presumably they say yes. Yeah, because. Because we they, they get the airplanes yeah. and they get the airfield. Yeah. So we cut back to the um, everyone, all the refugees and everyone back at the resort. And they're moving everything out of there, everyone out of there. And, but, you know, they can't all fit on the two, you know, trucks that mm-hmm. they usually use. So they have to use the Sudanese tour bus as well. <laughs> Good thing they had them. Yeah. So, and they drive towards, oh, well, before that, though. Chris Evans grabs the satisfied customer sign to bring it back. <laughs> nice, nice uh, memento. Yeah. This time there. Hopefully they'll let him keep it. <laughs> yeah. And the, the Colonel finds out that they're short a man. And so he assembles his troops and they are all driving towards the resort. Because obviously they killed him. It's not like he got lost or yeah. maybe decided mm-hmm. to go swimming or something like that. <laughs> So Ari and everyone else are headed to a old British airfield. And once they get there, well, they, you know, plow through the gates. And once they get there, they start using glow sticks to light up the runway, which I thought was a cool idea. Nice. I also like the part where they're like, it should be there. And what if it's not? (laughs) (laughs) But they also find that there's like a tree in the middle of the runway. (laughs) This is one thing after another, which I do like. And then, so, you know, they find it, and then the troops, I guess, somehow figure out where they're going, and they're, like, nine kilometers away. Mm-hmm. Once, you know, Ari and everyone else finds out that the troops are coming to them, they're like, all right, what do we do? Do we load everyone back on the, the trucks and the bus, 
do we leave? What do we do? And Omar stops and wait, stop, listen. And <laughs> they hear the plane and then they see the plane. And the plane, you know, flies right over above them, but also flies right over the troops. So now the troops know exactly where to go. Exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. So this part was very Argo. Argo also had Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. So the plane lands, and uh, Greg Kinnear's character is there, and he's helping everyone on the plane. But, you know, they load a bu- maybe half the people on the plane, and mm-hmm. then there's this military off- uh, you know, American officer who's, like, saying, no, stop, this plane only holds 228. But uh, there are 400 people. Dun, dun. And, you know, Omar's like, if you leave us, we'll die. And Ari tells the soldier, you know what? No. You decide who stays and who goes, because I can't do it. You choose. Who lives, who dies. Using that, Jewish guilt. Using that Jewish guilt as a weapon. We're doing it for years. Uh, and so he's like, no, I can't do this. All right. You can, but, you know, it's not, just a, it's not just a matter of, you know, safety pros. It's also a matter of space. It's like, oh, we'll make space. So they start throwing all these, you know, chairs and everything else off of the plane to make more room. And so they get everyone on board and then they're, you know, starting to crank up the back door. And of course, that's exactly when the troops get there and they start shooting, but no one thankfully gets hit. <laughs> again, they miss again. <laughs> and as they're, ta- you know, they start to take off and the colonel's like, I don't care what you have to do. Stop that plane. And as they're taking off, you know, they're, they're like, they have just enough room and they just just clip the tree that's in the middle of the runway and but it doesn't you know damage a plane and they get right get into the air yeah nice one another and, victory for the usa <laughs> and as as they're in the plane and you know they're sort of taking a sigh of relief and everyone's like okay we can breathe now we're actually we actually got got there and ari opens this letter that he'd gotten earlier from his wife and it's his. It's a drawing from his daughter, who uh, previously, which we I guess we didn't really talk about it too much, but mm. you know, his daughter had a drawing and said, "My family," and it's just her and her mom. Cliche. Ari <laughs> Ari has been drawn into the into the photo with his beard, and everything's gonna be just fine. Yeah. And they get off, and so you know they land in Israel. Mm-hmm. And everyone gets off, you know, you, you have Ben Kingsley there, you have his boss there, who somehow knows Greg Kinnear's character, apparently, and, like, they're shaking hands. Yeah, they probably and, coordinated on it. Yeah. And then this is my third favorite part, which is where the movie footage turns into real footage uh, of the real people arriving. A trope, but a good one. Yeah, well, I mean, you know me, I like all of the real-life stuff behind <laughs> mm-hmm. this faction, so that totally worked for me. Um, and then at the very end, or did you have anything before the no, very end? That's it. Yep. So at the very end, we get our political statement, mm-hmm. which is that there are, of course, millions of refugees in the world today. Right. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> okay. So, what do we have? So, yes, yeah, so that's the plot. Um, what do we have for spy fact versus spy fiction? Okay. So, I have quite a lot of spy fact and spy fiction. So, but I, I like it. Uh, my sources for this one was a the Jewish Virtual Library oh, and cool. a BBC News story by Rafi Berg. Mm-hmm. So most notably, the name of the resort was actually Aros on the Red Sea, on the Red Sea, spelled A R O U S. Oh, Aros was the name sad. of a village nearby. That's less fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently, if you go to Google Maps and type in Red Sea Diving Resort, 
there is one. So maybe really? somewhere oh. along the line, they made a new one. Maybe. Um, so all of the character names have been changed. Ari Levinson is not a real person. He's based on a guy named Danny Limor, who consulted on the film. He was the actual agent approved by Israeli Prime Minister at the time, Menachem Begin, spelled like Begin, to, mm -hmm. to do the mission. Mm -hmm. Rachel is based on Yola Reitman, who is a real person. She was a flight attendant and a diver, but oh. was not a Mossad agent at the oh. time that she was recruited. Really? Yes. So she became one or was just like a Well, contract? I mean, she became part of a Mossad operation. Hmm. I don't know if she actually got like the badge or whatever. But she she did go undercover and she was an administrator of the oh, cool. of the of the resort. It's, that was my one of my questions. What was her actual role other than, you know, teaching yoga and aerobics? Yeah, her, her job was to be like Ari was like the owner, but she was the one who actually ran. Ah, uh, OK. Uh, Kabedi Bimro, a mm -hmm. gay Omar, not a real person. He's based on Faridi Yazizo Aklum. Mm -hmm. who was dubbed the Ethiopian Moses for uh, his role getting Ethiopian Jews so, out. Just, and sure, this is something I did want to talk about because, yeah, now, once he got injured and he was on the plane, mm -hmm. I half thought he was going to die on the plane. He was being, you know, like Moses, never getting to see the promised land kind of thing. Oh, see, I would have done that if I were them. <laughs> That's very dramatic. Uh, yeah, so I kind of thought that was going to happen, like when Ari's next to him and, you know, he's, he's there and he's... You know, still got a punctured lung. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I but, thought he was going to die on the plane before reaching there. But I guess like, they want to end on a happier note. Or if it were an action movie, he would have been like, you guys go, I'll buy you time. And he grabs right. an AK-47. <laughs> but no, oh, yeah. so so the real the real life at Clume, was sort of started on his, on his way towards this. In 1977, mm -hmm. he was wanted by Ethiopian authorities for, quote, anti-government activity. Uh. In other words, sympathizing with rebels and for encouraging Jews to emigrate to Israel. Hmm. So he escaped to Sudan along with a wave of non-Jewish refugees from Ethiopia. Hmm. They were fleeing a civil war and a deepening food crisis. So, he, so like in the movie, his trip with the with the refugees through the uh, through the plane, or rather mm -hmm. through the uh, operation was his first time in Israel, and he, he remained involved in getting Ethiopian Jews out for the rest of his life. He died in oh, 2009 wow. on a trip to Ethiopia oh. under mysterious circumstances. Oh. Yeah. Wow, that's, I mean, still 10 years ago, but that's like relatively recent. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, think he, he, I think he was fairly grown. He had like a wife and, and so uh, on. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a couple other things. So do you remember my favorite part or my second favorite part with the yacht uh, where they get caught and the Navy mm -hmm. SEALs? Um, yeah. And then Chris Evans gives them a totally ridiculous explanation. Mm -hmm. Well, in real life, the explanation worked. What? So according to the Jewish Virtual Library, the Israelis were caught red-handed by Sudanese smugglers. The soldiers are soldier, Sudanese soldiers looking for smugglers. The soldiers started shooting at the dinghies and the Mossad agents started yelling, quote, what do you think you're doing? This is an important tourist event. We're showing the beauty of <laughs> night diving in Sudan and you're ruining it all. And the soldiers just backed off. Wow. I know, right? Crazy. I mean, that's almost ridiculous enough to to work it's like one of those things where it's like it's so ridiculous that why would you make it be, make that as your excuse well i guess it the, has to be true i guess the dinghies must have been far enough away that they still uh, just wouldn't have been able to tell exactly what was going gotcha. on mm -hmm. so and um okay so the next thing is about tourism so in the movie 
the tourists just show up, right? right? They see the brochures and the colonel sends them. And then when they get there, the Mossad higher ups are like, oh my God, this is terrible. They're, why, are there, <laughs> why, are there, why are they there? This is going to blow the whole thing. This is awful, awful, awful. In real life, the Israelis hired a travel office in Zurich owned by a Jewish ah. man who was in the know and encouraged groups of wealthy Europeans to go. <laughs> they, they offered first rate gear, professional dive masters, nice food, deep sea dives, whatever. So they were actively encouraging people to come, which might be a All little right. bit unethical. <laughs> we're putting innocent people into the middle of a spy operation. Yeah. Uh, the visitor's book was a catalog of glowing comments. Some of the guests who came to visit include people from Saudi Arabia, oh, wow. people from foreign foreign diplomats, and <laughs> even a squad of elite British commandos who <laughs> back to their higher-ups war stories of survival in the harrowing Sudanese desert. Wow. Okay, so in 1984, the reason why they were shut down was because an Israeli politician bragged about it uh, in the news. That's why it got shut down. Really? Okay, it's a good thing stuff like that doesn't happen anymore, though. <laughs> so do you also remember when they when they ran through the checkpoint? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the early days of the op, the vehicles ran through checkpoints all the time. Oh, wow. That okay. was just part of the plan. But then oh. they stopped when a guard opened fire at them and missed. Oh, huh. So huh. The movie was sort of correct. They just yeah. sort of moved up the timeline a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I also thought that the movie didn't quite capture how difficult it was for the Ethiopians. Mm, so yeah. when the timing is right, hundreds of refugees went into the desert, taking only what they could carry. Then they were packed onto trucks, 600 mile drive. Wow. Over badly potholed roads and frequent checkpoints. Mm -hmm. And they only traveled at night. Mm -hmm. Or uh, yeah, navigating by moonlight. And then when it was during the day, they would stop and hide in a gully all day. Jeez. So that, yeah. it was even before they got to the Red Sea Resort, it mm -hmm. was already a really difficult journey. Of the 14,000 refugees who attempted to escape to Israel, 1,500 were killed along the way, died in the camps, or were abducted by various wow. actors never to be seen again. Wow. Mm -hmm. So like I said, they could have made the stakes a little bit. Yeah. They could have made it a little bit clearer. So just mm -hmm. two more. So in real life, the agents did hire about 15 local Sudanese staff yeah. to serve as waiders, chambermaids, and a, and a, cha uh, a chef. A chef. They even talked about the chef's cooking. And mm -hmm. Yola, aka Rachel, said that hiding the secret from the Sudanese staff was the biggest challenge. And she mm. said that she was proud that during the entire three years, nobody had an inkling of what was happening around them. Oh, yeah. So the, so the part where Colonel Medibo is talking to the waitress and he's like, did you ever see anything? Mm -hmm. She probably was telling me the truth when she yeah. said she didn't see anything. Um, and then the last bit about the, air, the airplanes. So they didn't use American airplanes, according oh. to my sources. Okay. They used Israeli ones. And they switched <laughs> because naval rescues had become too dangerous. Ah. Um, so at one point, they, they when they landed the planes, the Ethiopian Jews had never seen an airplane before. <laughs> so were freaked <laughs> out by this huge, loud metal thing. But then, mm -hmm. when the doors came down, a bunch of Israeli commandos came out with like their giant guns. Uh, of course, <laughs> not the smartest move. And some of the the Ethiopians just ran away into the night and had to be oh, no. had to be found again. That would have been a little funny if they'd had that in the movie, but I can see why they didn't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so that is all of my spy fact and spy fiction wow, for you. A lot of great research there. Thank you for that. Sure, you're welcome. I mean, it, I th I think reading about the real life made me like the movie a little bit more. Yeah. 
All right, so speaking of liking the movie, where does this rate on your scale? So our once again, a scale is one to 10 martinis, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. So my the first time I saw the movie, I was like, this is full of cliches. It's really kind of slow. The action's sort of disappointing. Ha having thought about it, read a little bit about the background and then watching it again, I still think it's a Netflix original movie. <laughs> so I can't really recommend it to people unless you're really into Chris Evans or you're really into Israel stuff. Um, I would describe it as average. I would say five out of 10 martinis. All right. And because I am a Chris Evans fan, I'm going to mm -hmm. give that one more. I'm going to go with a solid six out of 10 martinis. I, I mean, I, which I consider a recommend. Like if you're, if you want to watch something like it, yeah, if you are a Chris Evans fan and miss him being Captain America and you want to watch him being, pretty heroic and something else i'd give it a recommend or if you like you know you like israel and Mossad stuff also you know recommend and don't uh, be undersold by the inspired by a true story it's much closer <laughs> to real life than it seems yeah so it's not it's not the worst way to kill two hours yeah or two hours in however many minutes <laughs> so join us next time where we will be reviewing the spy who dumped me uh we're going to be doing this sort of thing where we go you know we do a real life or something that's based on a real event and something that's completely fictional so next week will be a fi fairly certain that the spy who dumped me was not based on any real i think events. it's safe to say that and at least right now it's on hulu as well as other streaming services so yeah. see if you can find it that way thanks for joining us and i've been christian and i've been zach and we this is the spy fi guys Signing off. Thank you for listening to the spy fi guys if you enjoyed our podcast please be sure to give us a five-star rating on itunes the theme song from this podcast is mistake the getaway by kevin mcleod from incompetech.com licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 films books and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended